Good morning, guys. It's a pleasure to be here, and I, I just want to thank Mark for the opportunity to come and share. And I, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do when Mark asked me if I'd like to. He said, is there anything you've been studying recently? And I had just heard a series. I had heard it before. Uh, there's a pastor uh, down at Shepherd's Church, and he's uh, in Shepherd's Theological Seminary. His name is Stephen Davey, and he uh, does a radio program each day, and he does a Shepherd's Conference every year down there. Pastors come from all over the world, basically, to listen to other pastors teach. But he was doing a series in Psalm 139, and I've read it many, many times over the years, but I never really sat there and dissected and looked at exactly what was being said. And, you know, it's, sometimes as you get older, uh, you're experiencing different things, and it's a good refresher when you go back and you read something, and then you can say, wow, I knew that, but I need to hear that again, and that's what happened with this. So what I'd like to do is share with you today, and I'm going to be very conscious because I know a lot of you have to go back, and I have to go get my wife as well, but... Um, it's rejoicing in God's word. And, and Dr. Davey did this series, um, and I listened to it. My wife listened to it with me. And uh, it was really powerful. I guess maybe it's just where we were and what was going on. So I just thought I'd share it with you. Before I go any further, I do want to say that um, this is on a Google Chrome, and uh, I would had no idea. I've only used PowerPoint. So my granddaughter, Celia, actually showed me how to get it started. And then my uh, daughter-in-law, Laura, actually brought in a lot of the illustrations. So I just want to give credit where credit's due. It's not me, believe me. Um, so uh, again, don't want to have anybody thinking I was taking credit for something I didn't do. So let's go ahead and get started. So the first thing, uh, and I think most of us remember, says, you know, search my heart. David's talking. He says, search my heart. And in verse 1, he says, you have searched, and the Hebrew word, and this isn't me again because I don't study Hebrew, is to dig or to explore. So he says, you dig in my heart, you know me. And David, you know, discovered that God already knows him and that he's comprehensive. And then he says, you know, when I sit and rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. And this was a quote that was in some of the texts that said, John Phillips had said, God sees every movement and knows every motive. So it, when, we, when we think that um, we go to God and, and it's like, God, we got to tell you because, you know, maybe you don't know what's going on in my life. No, God does know what's going on in our life. And then in verse 3, he says, you search out. And the Jewish word there was to scrutinize or to examine so he's saying, you examine my path and my lying down and are acquainted with my ways. And again, Philip said, the Lord knows my first step as a toddler to my last faltering steps in old age. There is not one step that he does not know. Boy, that hit me. So think about that. When you were just a toddler, he knew when you were going to take that first step. He also knows, as some of us that get older, Dick, um, that 
he's going to know our, our later steps in life when we trip and we fall physically and spiritually. So God knows everything. And, and I'd like to just share this with the young, young men here because sometimes it takes until you get into your 60s and 70s before you start realizing who God really is and how God does know everything. So in verse 4, he said, even before a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know, you know, you know it all together. And basically, God isn't waiting to find out what we're going to say. Just like I said just now, we don't have to actually say something to him because he knows every thought and motive. And this was something that uh, was shared in, in part of the lesson where Tozer said, God knows every word of every language, on every human tongue, on every continent, at every moment of every day, even before a word is uttered. That's amazing. I mean, just think about that. We can't even fathom that. God is never surprised. We get surprised, but God never does. He's never amazed. He never wonders about anything. God can't learn. Boy, we do. We need to learn. And God knows effortlessly all matters, all mind and every mind, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, feelings, desires, and every secret. God never discovered anything. He knows it all. And then it said, nothing has ever occurred to God. Again, we think in the human, you know, we go, oh, wow, that just happened. Did you hear about that's not a surprise to God. God knew that when he, before he created the universe. He knew everything about what we were going to do. And then it says, this is how Jesus knew. You remember when Peter looked, I mean, Jesus looked Peter in the eye and said, you're going to deny me, and you're going to deny me three times. He just didn't say you're going to deny me. God said three times. He didn't say four. He didn't say two or one. So God knew it all. He still does. And that's why I said, God is a know-it-all. I remember growing up in, in Brooklyn, you know, you had friends in, in the street, and you go, that guy's a big know-it-all. He thinks he knows everything. And the guy probably thought he did. He didn't. But God, he does know everything. And then in verse 5 and 6, he said, you hem, and that means to enclose, to keep me. And he said, he hemmed me in behind and before. God shut, shuts off every escape route. When we want to run, have you ever found that in your life when you're running into things? He keeps us from getting away from a certain situations, running away from a responsibility, whether it's, you know, taking care of somebody or looking after somebody at work. And it said it keeps us pressed in and held. He basically comes around us. And just think about the sheep. When, when Jesus was talking about the shepherd and how he kept the sheep, and he kept them safe from having to go out, fall over cliffs, and then follow each other over the cliffs. And it said, we are pressed into loving the staff and rod, pressed into knowing no helper but God. And that was Chuck Swendell mentioned, made that comment. How true that is. His rod and his staff. He pulls us in. He keeps us there. He gets us through that situation. But we need to know to go to him in order to get those those advantages of being a child of God. And then he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I can't attain it. 
And then basically what I say it is, there isn't anything about God that God doesn't already know and care about and he'll manage in your life. So God has found us out, and I hope you take this the right way. Uh, I thought this was pretty neat. It said, he knows every time we cross the line between authentic Christianity to a pretender. Now, I'm not questioning, I'm not saying this is salvation, but it's the way you present yourself as a Christian. So are you authentic or are you a pretender? And here were some things that really kind of made me think about it. When we tell somebody, I'm going to pray about that, and you never do. I've done that, but you want to know something? I stopped that because if somebody says, would you pray for me? My problem was I'd forget by the time I went to bed that night. And I don't carry a little thing to write it down. So if I walk away from somebody, I'll make sure that I say, just if it's five seconds with the Lord. Because if you're going to tell somebody you're going to do it, do it. Again, it's not a matter of salvation. It's just a matter of your Christianity and your walk with the Lord. When you say to somebody, God bless you, and you really don't care if God does bless them, you've got to be careful with that. I, I like to sign a lot of my uh, emails blessings because I believe you want to bless those, especially brothers and sisters that you're writing to. And so make sure when you tell somebody, God bless you, you know, or may you have a blessed day, that you really mean it. And the third thing was, and this is a tough one, uh, it says, when we sing, I love you, Lord, and lift my voice, and it's the first time all week we have said anything to him at all. Hmm. Make you think about it. Do we stay at home? Do we listen to a, a song and just start praising God while we're in the car? Maybe something that simple. And then the omniscience of God produces three things, really. It's, it sobers us. You know, we know that one day we're going to sit in front of Jesus Christ at the Bema seat. And according to 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says there's going to be an accounting. And he already knows that. And we'll be found out by him, which he already knows. And he still loves us. And then in Revelations 2.10, he's going to give us the crown of life. And that's the eternity to be with him. And then he secures us. The blood of Christ cleanses us every sin. It's 1 John 1.17. And basically it says, John, uh, Jesus could not have paid the penalty of our sins unless he already knew what they were. You thought about that? He was on the cross taking our sins, but he already knew the sins that Gary was going to commit when I was born. And then it says, if God were not omniscient, he would, not be, able, he would be unable to secure our redemption and J.R. Packard wrote, the omniscience of God is a wonderful truth. I'm never out of his mind. There is no moment when his eye is off of me or his attention distracted from me and no moment when his care falters. There is tremendous relief in knowing that his love for me is utterly realistic, based at every point on knowledge of the worst about me so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me. And this is an unspeakable. So think about that. He basically knows everything about us, getting back again to his omniscience. And then the third thing is he satisfies us. He sees every problem that's coming. He knows what we need. And his omniscience for me and you is not a threat, 
but it's a refuge for us. So now we're going to move on to the second part, which is his omnipresence. He's everywhere. So 7 through 9 says, where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, and, and he was referring to the center of the earth, he said, if I make my, my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take my winds of the morning, and he's referring to going east because the sun rises in the east, and dwell in the outermost parts of the sea, and he was referring going out to the Mediterranean Sea, wherever we go, east to west, up into the sky, down into the earth, we will bump into God because he inhabits the universe because he created it. Then again, with his omnipresence in verses 10 to 12, he said, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So basically what these points are, no matter where you are, God's hand will hold on to you. No darkness is too dark to hide from us. To God, the night shines like day. Whatever circumstances we face, God is present. He's right by our side. And the, third, the last one is we can't hide anything from him. I don't know if you were, when you were a kid and um, you think you could do something and get away with it, you know? You think, my parents aren't going to see it. <clears throat> and if you were going to church, you think, well, I could probably sneak it. God's not going to really know it. I remember when I was growing up in the 60s, there was a, a, a blackout in New York City. I mean, the whole city was out, all the, all the boroughs. And these people were ravaging stores. This is back when they would actually arrest people for doing that stuff. And, but it was dark. And they were getting, they thought they were, they were they're just taking everything they wanted, just broken. <clears throat> but the bottom line was God saw it all. There's nothing that God can't see in the darkness. And so he knows that darkness, but he's there for us to hold on to. And there's nothing that he can't take care of with us. And this is probably one of my uh, favorite parts. And I didn't go through the whole psalm, <clears throat> but there's more information. And uh, this is kind of special for, for me because... Uh, after I put this together, uh, my granddaughter had a, a little boy yesterday, and, uh, and I went there to the hospital to see him. And it's been a while since I've seen one. I guess Gabriella was the last one. And, uh, you know, you, you're looking at him, and they're just, he was sleeping, and he had scratched his face and all that good stuff. And then, and I had already prepared this, and, and this is where it starts. This is where... God is all-powerful. Think about it. He created everything. He created the universe. He created you and me. He knew us before that. And it says, you form my inward parts, which were the organs, and then you knitted, and the word there was that could be used is, you weaved me together in my mother's womb. So think about this. <clears throat> David, his time, what kind of medical devices did they have? Well, wait a minute, they didn't have electricity. Oh, that's right. So, 
how did David know all this? How did David know that God was weaving that womb with the baby? It said, God and God alone formed us. He knitted muscle, tendon, bone, veins, and arteries. God makes some of us with strength to be fast runners, some to be endurance, good jumpers. And at the same time, he also crafted every disadvantage and disability. I thought about that. That's a tough one. I remember, I mean, I'm a tall guy, and I remember playing basketball in high school. I couldn't jump. Now I know why, <laughs> right? I knew why, because some of my friends were like five, six, five, seven. They could dunk a ball. I could barely touch the rim. Why? Because God did it me that way. Every one of us was created differently. We have different fingerprints. God created us that way. If you think about it, we always think about why is somebody so he's blessed this way or she's blessed this way. God created us because he knew what our life was going to be. He knew that he was going to be there for us. And basically, I look at this and I say, sometimes we see children who grow into adults and they have a disability. But God knew it before they were even in the womb, just like he knows everything. And he's the one that crafts us. And there's always that reason why. And that moves us into verse 14, which says, I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully, and that word could be uniquely or differently made. And then think about that. It says, each of us are different and unique from the rest of God's creatures. We are created in God's image, and we are eternal, self-determining spiritual worshipers. You are an original, and there's no one like you. There never has been, and there never will be. You are wonderfully and uniquely made. Now, there are probably times in our life when our wife will go, poof, boy, I wish God had just changed that a little bit. But, you know, she loves us for who we are sometimes. But isn't that a great thing to know that every one of us has something different that we can offer as we serve the Lord, as we go out, he gives us not just the tendons and the arteries. I believe in the Lord just kind of, well, I'm not saying he told me, but I, I just sensed it. He also gives us those hearts, and the heart being the spiritual side. He gives us that gift of compassion. He gives us the gift of prayer. He gives us all these things. When we were in the womb, I believe we were given those gifts. Whether we were born and we live a full life or whether the Lord takes us before that time out of the womb, we st God still created us in his image. And we're blessed to be in his image. And I look at that and I think, wow, not just the physical but the spiritual. He's given us those gifts and I would encourage all of us to use those gifts, especially the young guys. Use those gifts when you're around guys that might be 
in a, a group or in a mission that you go to, you go do some, some work out of the mission field in the summer. Use those gifts that God has given you. And he's created you in order to do those things. So in summary, we just need to know that, number one, he knows everything. There's not a thing that we can do that he doesn't already know. So don't ever think you're pulling everything away from God and he doesn't see it. I remember years ago, my dad, rest his soul, we, we were um, at a service and uh, Jerry Falwell was there in Burlington. And my dad, loved my dad, but he loved if something was there for free, you know, he'd take it, which is fine, you know. But he was sitting there and Jerry Falwell was teaching and um, we had in the back of the pews, we had pens. And my dad was, you know, my wife's next to me and my son's next to me. And my dad is like slipping the pen up his sleeve. <laughs> and I'm like, what, dad? We're like in the second row and we're listening to him and my dad's slipping up a pen up his sleeve. I, and that, that came to me the other day when I was there. I thought, dad, you don't think God saw you do that? <laughs> Come on. And then... It even got better when we used to go to the steakhouse. Jason's job when he was a teenager was to make sure my dad, who was a butcher, they had these really nice knives, you know, to cut your steaks with. And Jason had to make sure that my dad didn't try to slip. This is a true story. You can ask Jason. But the point is, there's nothing that we can do. We can't hide from God. We can't turn the lights out and go, God's not going to see me. You know, we can't go somewhere with a group of men where we shouldn't be and think God's not going to see me. Nobody's going to see me from church. And that goes to the youth. You may think, well, we could run off and do this. Well, we could run. God sees you. Good thing is God loves us. God already knew whatever it is that we may or may not do. And he loves us enough that he gave us Jesus Christ. And don't forget that. Wherever you are in life, just remember, he's, he knows everything. He's with you wherever you go, and he can do anything because he is all-powerful and almighty. And the one thing I wanted to say, there's, um, of course, in Psalms, he goes a little further into the, uh, the unborn. But Stephen Davey, it's a, it's a small booklet. It's called Designer Made, and he kind of takes on from where we started. And it's a neat little booklet. If you have friends... Um, and I was going to give some to my wife to give to the women on Thursdays. If you have an office and you like to put them out there, I went and got those from uh, the Ministry of Wisdom International. And um, it's really a good book. It's good for people that you never know. that They might be contemplating an abortion. It's got good information that you can share. Very simple, very straightforward. It's not complex. But it does take it a little bit further in the psalm and brings it so that people can understand. So I've got a bunch of them. I brought them. If you just want to keep them, maybe keep one in your car in case you happen to go to lunch with somebody. If you think your spouse would like one for somebody that she may be ministering to, please feel free to do that. Um, and even for the young guys, nothing wrong to know that because you may run across somebody that's in a situation where they may need to hear what God's word has to say. And this is just a real simplified way. 
without getting into heavy scripture, but the scripture's in there so you can do the application with that person. And don't ever sell yourself short because God can use you guys. You know, you guys impress me with the things you do as young men in this church, cleaning up, and I hear what you do at the men's retreats. So don't sell yourself short. God can use you just as well when it comes to things of the world where people think that they can hide things from God, but they really can't. Okay? Anybody have any questions or comments? Again, I, I, I hope you understand that uh, I am not a scholar, and I read, and I've read this before, and I learn, and I think sometimes the more we hear things in messages and expository teaching, that's one of the reasons that I'm here is because of expository teaching. That's the way you understand God's word. And um, if you could share that with other people, as long as you give the credit where the credit's due, of course, it's God who's the author. And in this case, Stephen Davey brought the message, and then we could just share that message with others. So I, I appreciate you guys, and I'm really glad. We only had like three people sign up as of two and a half weeks ago. I think it was me and uh, Mark and Micah. So it's been a blessing to see these tables filled up today. But thank you guys. I appreciate it.